Hey guys, welcome back to the Back Yourself Show. This week on the show, we have a founder and it's something that's pretty close to my heart. I think that recruitment is a bit antiquated and it needs to be modernized. That's exactly what this guy's doing with Candidate ID. This is the founder and CEO, Adam Gordon, and um, don't let me explain it, I'll let him explain it. So Adam, thanks for coming on the show. Um, Delighted to have you here. To kick off, imagine we're on a first date. Tell me a bit about yourself and what you do. (laughs) We're on a first date. I've never ever thought about that for a long, long time. Um, so I'm, I'm co-founder and CEO at Candidate ID, uh, which is a business that uh, we started in 2016. We uh, created a technology product, which we launched in January 2017. Uh, I have worked for myself um, since 2009 when I, uh, I quit my previous job because my, um, my mother was very ill and I was traveling a lot because of work. And um, so I needed to uh, be working in uh, Glasgow and uh, instead of right across the UK. And I decided that working for myself was going to be the easiest thing to do. So I uh, quit my job, hadn't intended to work for myself, but I have done now for 11 years. The business that I started back then was effectively helping companies to use social media um, as it was really becoming a business thing. And it's pretty, that's pretty good foresight. Yeah, well, it was, uh, do you know, you, you'll have, you'll have had, you'll get, you'll get every single day, you'll get people trying to sell you LinkedIn lead generation services. Yeah. Well, that's what we did. 2009. Oh, wow. That's, that's exactly what we were doing from 2009 through till um, 2015 when we, uh, when we had the idea to, when we started thinking about turning it into a technology business. But um, after a couple of years of doing that, our customers started saying to us, look, um, you can help us to find all of our sales prospects, get connected with them, start conversations with them. Can you do it for recruitment? Because as the world was coming out of recession in sort of 2010, 2011, and companies were starting to do a lot more hiring, that was the point where um, we started spending a lot more time working with uh, recruitment teams uh, within large organizations to help them find, get connected with, start conversations with, and hire prospective uh candidates so the the did you so did you at that point sorry just digging into a couple of things there because i'm really interested in this i don't want to glaze over it so you went when you went out and you started doing the social media stuff and i you know i care about this so did you did you know there was a problem already with like linkedin how like it can't be that popular i imagine like in 2009, like the average number of connections you're having wasn't 500 plus then. It was like 100 or so, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was starting to... No, I mean, I think most like white collar professionals were on LinkedIn by that point. Right, okay. But the, but the big difference was that it wasn't like commercialized the way it is today. So it was like a, it was like a cocktail party where everybody's walked in and they're all being polite and nobody started really working the room. And so we started working the room like in a big way um, for, and I started doing it for the company that I was working for previously. And then I realized that nobody else knew how to do this. They didn't have the confidence to do it. They didn't know how to find the people they needed to know. They didn't know what to say to them to get connected. They didn't know what to send them after the person accepted their LinkedIn invitation. And um, what became quite clear was that people were, people, everybody was an open networker on LinkedIn they just weren't calling themselves yeah. that. But if somebody yeah, yeah. looks useful and relevant to you, you're going to accept their LinkedIn invitation. So, um, you know. I think that's great. And so you were like, that's really cool. So you were there and you're like, look, I, I can see that I'm good at this and no one else is. 
I can turn this into a business. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so we we were you what what industry were you working at that time? Were you a recruiter? It was uh, no, I was I was marketing director for a recruitment business, but my customers when I started working for myself were all accountancy firms and law firms. So we worked with all of the big four accountancy firms. We worked with several Magic Circle law firms, um, Silver Circle law firms, big law firms where, quite honestly, you know, the partners need to sell, but the word sell is something they feel yes. like they, they, you know, makes them come out in hives. So yeah. if somebody's yeah, 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 yeah. actually pressing the buttons for them, then and, and then just telling them at the end of every week, you've got 16 new connections. They're all CFOs in... Uh, retail companies that you know you should know and four of them have said they're happy to meet in the next two weeks for a coffee and just a chat about what's going on in finance in the retail industry and it would just effectively go into their diary they were like okay this is great so it was just like lead gen services effectively using uh using linkedin as the as the platform uh, it was other, it was other that. social networks as well but it was it i mean it was 90 percent linkedin what's your uh your top tip for budding LinkedIn enthusiasts who are trying to generate business. In, I mean, I think in everything you do, make sure that you're you look useful and relevant. Um, if you look useful and relevant, most people will accept your link. Most people who you're useful and relevant to will accept your LinkedIn link, LinkedIn invitation. And once they, once they've accepted your LinkedIn invitation, they're not saying to you that they're going to buy whatever it is you're selling. But what they're saying is that they're open to hearing from you. And if your follow-up is useful and relevant and your follow-up after that is useful and relevant and you just don't think about selling anything, you just continue to be useful and relevant, you're going to get people saying, I want to talk to you about this and what is it you're selling here that's going to be, you know, going to help me better. So, um, yeah, use, oh, useful know. and relevant. And so, that's a cool, that's a cool line. I quite like that. I'm going to steal it. Um, so, the, um, and so that evolved where your customers are like, hey, can you use this now to help me find candidates? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And um, then, then, then the, the kind of real moment of clarity happened in 2015 when I was sitting with Pfizer, the pharmaceutical company. And I was sitting Big with- Big name drop, just drop that on the floor. I yeah, was sitting- Take that. I was, yeah, exactly. I was, sitting with the, I was sitting with their recruitment team uh, talking about our performance. And uh, they said, yeah, it's going great. 30% <clears throat> of the people that you're identifying for us are not already on our candidate database. And I said, so do you mean 70%? They said, no, 30%. I was like, in what world is, uh, in what world is it a good result when you already know 70% of the people that we're finding? And they said, no, the, we don't know them. I said, well, what do you mean they're on your candidate database? They said, well, they might have applied for a job in the past. I said, well, how do you not know them? Because we've got 10 million people on that database. Jeez. I went, all right. That's twice the population of Scotland, so um, that's a big problem. If you don't, if you don't know who any of them are, you can't really mine that data. You've built up a country twice the size of Scotland, and you've spent ten dollars per person to build up that database. So you've got a one hundred million dollar asset of data on your applicant tracking system that your recruitment teams can't access because the search functionality doesn't work. So we need to kind of do something about this and we need to provide a service which is going to help you to keep in contact with all these people. And, and what were they using? Sorry, at the time, they were using you to find 
potential business partners uh, or ca- customers candidates. on LinkedIn. But can oh, so they were using you for candidates already. Yeah, so this was this was about this was all about recruitment. They started right, okay. so they they were using us to identify potential candidates. Sure, sorry, right? yes, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they were spending they were spending money with us to do that every month. They were spending money on their own internal recruitment team to do the same thing. They were spending money on advertising. They were spending money on recruitment agencies to bring them in lists of candidates who were interested in jobs they were filling at that point. 70% of those individuals were already on that database. So I started asking some people, some other, other customers, um, is this the same for you? Accenture said yes. Thermo Fisher Scientific said yes. Uh, a couple of others said yes. Mondelez said yes. And um, I was like, hold on, there's a, there's a massive problem here. Recruitment teams ha- are absolutely addicted to sources of net new candidates because they're not farming their existing candidate data. They're not keeping in contact with these people. So they're treating them as applicants for a job rather than as people that they should be building an ongoing relationship with for the duration of those people's careers. Because if I'm an, in regulatory affairs in the pharmaceutical industry, I'm either already working for, for Pfizer or I'm going to be working for one of Pfizer's competitors or, or a consulting firm or something like that. But regardless, at the start of my career, in the middle of my career, at the end of my career, I could be somebody that they would hire. So why would they not want to just constantly keep in contact with these people? And so the addiction towards um, shortlists for vacancies and the addiction to, to generating applicants rather than building you know, pipelines and then nurturing those pipelines was something I, I, I just, I, I, I hadn't understood. So my, you know, I've got a background in sales and marketing and you, you nurture sales leads over time. They're not all ready today, but they'll be ready yeah. in six months or in 12 months or in 18 months or whenever it is. So why was this not happening in recruitment? And um, that was the moment where I realized we needed to create a service around helping businesses to nurture those relationships with uh, those potential candidates. And then I realized that there was no technology, there was no marketing automation technology, which was going to really surface who are the higher ready leads by tracking and scoring each person's clicks around that employer's content. And so that's when we went, we need to, we need to really um, work out how we're going to turn this into a tech business. Um, and so it took, it's taken us really, I mean, we've done it now, but it's take, it took us probably four years to convert from being so a service company to a tech company. Amazing. What an amazing problem to have uncovered at such huge scale as well. And um, it's something that I think a lot of people can relate to. It's also weird, isn't it? Like, yeah, as someone who obviously I hate to admit that I've been declined for a job application, uh, but you know I've had the old the email back. Oh, you were unsuccessful, but we'll keep your CV on file. Yep, and you're like, I'm not hearing back from you. No, <laughs> you know what I mean like that's it. We're done. No, it's weird, isn't it, to think that that relationship is is over, and you're like, you know, you could be in like the final two or final three for something, get through to the final stage, and then it's like that relationship's done. It's like you know, like I could be the perfect candidate for you in six months time because I didn't have the right experience or because obviously if I've committed that much effort into getting the job there, it makes sense that if you come back to me in a year's time, I'm probably going to be interested still. Yeah. I was on a web show last week. I don't know if that's what we'd call it. It was a web, it was like a webinar. And um, 
head of recruitment for a very, very big tech company, the head of recruitment for EMEA, um, said that she advertised for a recruiter job about two weeks ago, and she had over 800 applicants, and she thought that probably 40 of the people would be brilliant for the job. Now, they're going to hire one person, and there's 39 people there that they might hire next time. So it's really yeah. important that they keep in contact with those 39 people. And also really important that the 760 who are not going to be good for the job, they get some sort of f- communication back, which, which says, we're not going to keep your name on file because you weren't quite right for this job and you're not going to be right for the next job. Or if they're going to be right for a, a different job, that they get some kind of automatic communication that explains um, that they're not going on file. They're going into a... They're going into a communication campaign and they'll keep getting, you know, they'll keep getting useful, relevant content. Um, And we're very, very wasteful in recruitment, hugely wasteful. I can't think of any other industry where marketing would buy a thousand leads and discard 999 of them. This is the nuts thing about it. I can imagine like both of you and I come from a sales background and imagine if, Someone in your team came, or if I went to, um, you know, my sales director as a junior and I was like, hey, buddy, um, so I've got got 10,000 people in the database. They're all bollocks. What I've done is, (laughs) yeah, I've forgotten about all those people that we spoke to before. I'm just going over the new ones. Yeah. (laughs) You'd be be like, what are you talking about? Or or, you've already got them all. You've got everyone here. Or you've got people who bought from you in the past. Yeah. 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 Or or, or I've got 10,000 10,000 people who match the persona of our buyer, but I'll tell you what, none of them have replied to my email. So I'm going to focus on this one over here yeah. instead. Yeah. It's it's crazy. And I think what's interesting about this from a, from a startup perspective is that you're doing the classic, which I think is an amazing thing for any business, is yeah, I refer to it as cross-pollination. What you've done is you've seen a problem in a sector where people are so embedded in that behavior they can't see another way of doing it. So it needs someone to come in with that cross-pollination from another sector, another area to say, look, actually, this is how we would solve it in our sector. Let's, let's fix this problem. You know, I think um, that hats off to you that I think it's, it's an amazing way to solve problems. As someone who's not in gaming, um, I moved, I created a gaming company because I thought I saw a problem that the way they were dealing with wasn't the same. There's so many stories like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that is a that is a challenge because you know I have I, I'm 21 years experience in recruitment and um, yes I've worked in different areas of it I've worked for agencies I've worked in house I've worked in recruitment marketing um, but I, I have been so close to it I did I did not know what the solution was and so I was in late 2015 I was talking to a guy that I knew in Glasgow who um, was a, was a is an expert in marketing automation technologies. He introduced Pardo to the UK and oh, wow. uh, he introduced, Marque- introduced Marketo to the UK. And he, and, he, and he said to me, he was talking to me about marketing automation and I went, hold on, that service that we've been creating around nurturing candidate you know, pipelines, this type of technology is the thing that automates what we're doing manually by creating bit.ly links by creating, you know, by using Mailchimp, by using something else for for landing pages, by using something else for forms and something else for text messaging, and it tracks much, much more. So I went, wow, we need to we need to take the concept of marketing automation technology 
and we effectively need to create pardo for for recruitment. And so, um, I like that. Luckily, like that. Cool. This is cool stuff. you know, luckily he luckily he was up for up for doing the same, and so um, we combined forces to do it. But certainly, if I hadn't been talking to him on that day about that subject, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure I would have got to the solution by now. Even I'd still be providing a providing a recruitment marketing service and doing things in the analog way. Okay, so that's cool. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? Making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. The um, so when you when you decide you were going to dig into this, it's quite hard. But making the transition from a services business to a software business, it's common, but it's it's not easy. The good thing is you've obviously got some revenue, you've got some run rate. I'm assuming, yeah, you've got some cash in the bank, so you can afford to spend some money to get it done. So there's some things that are a little bit easier. Yeah. But for people who are listening now, when do you make the decision? Like, I'm just gonna stop that services revenue that keeps the lights on yeah. and to commit 100% to this. How did you make that decision? It, or how did you do it? Yeah, so, I mean, it was a, I guess it was a sort of slow-moving seesaw. Um, I was five days a week uh, providing services and working on that business. And then at the point we had that idea, probably within three months, I was four days a week on service and one day a week testing this concept and trying to identify if my customers would would want a technology that did that. Um, and then... So, that, so just on that, just really quickly, yeah. I want to dig into that tiny bit. So that was your first step. Your first step, and you know, quite rightly, I think, was oh, you need to go and test this. You just went out to your existing customers and said, guys, I've got this idea. Do you think this would be a value to you? Yeah, we also, I mean, we also identified a white labeled marketing automation system and we started embedding it into our recruitment marketing work for our customers. So we were getting the we were we were we were getting data and okay, and we nice. we were getting data which was showing look, if we send if we send out 100 emails in the previous way we were doing it, we send out 100 emails to 100 potential candidates. We could tell you which people opened the emails and which people clicked the links. So we could give you a heat map of of those hundred people, here's the thirty-five that are most likely to be interested, and they're the ones to focus yeah. your time on. So that's what we were doing previously, using lots of bits of technology cobbled together. But then, once we started using this white-labeled marketing automation system, we were able to start seeing who's clicking through. We were able to start creating landing pages and and having that embedded with tracking script and automatically being able to see which links they clicked, where they went from there, and getting a lot more data. And so our customers were telling us, look, this has all gone up a level in terms of the data and insights you're giving us. And instead of instead of telling us these 35 of that 100 are the ones that we should reach out to, you're telling us, here's the seven we should reach out to. And we find that five of those seven want to have a conversation, like right now. So we were getting closer and closer to the, you know, so instead of net fishing, we were going spear, we were helping them go spear fishing. And they were saving nice. a lot of time. That's really, it's really good. I mean, it's an awful analogy because um, net fishing is a much more efficient way of doing it than uh, spear fishing. You, you, but when um, you're net so fishing, you generate a lot of catch that needs thrown back. 
in okay, the water. Okay, here we go. That, that's the analogy. Yeah. I was calling you out on it, but now I'm letting you justify it. So recruitment's yep. a bit different from, bear in mind, recruitment's a bit different from sales and marketing. You've got to fill one job. And there is not a, you know, in sales, in, in mainstream sales and marketing, you want, you want, you want, you want that net full. In recruitment, you probably want a smaller net full of exactly the right fish. Yes, yes. This is a good analogy now. I'm win. I, I concede to you, sir. <laughs> okay. So the um, okay. So sorry, I digress a little bit there. That's that thing. So how? When did you make the decision? Right, I'm going all in on this. Like you know, you're doing a day a week. You're doing four days a week on the service side. When did you say to yourself? Do you know what? Actually, this is my gig. This is where the party's at. This is what I've got to commit to. I'd, I'd sold I'd, the service business that I was running that I started in 2009. We sold it. I sold it to a stock market listed company in 2012. And I had an informal agreement with them that we would do this together for four years. And then I would probably buy the company back or we'd sell it. And so um, it was coming up to the four year period. So middle of 20, uh, October 2016 was the four year period. And in the middle of 2016, we had enough enough um, success stories and, and case studies that um, I, I agreed with that business, stock market listed business. I agreed with them a figure to buy the company back and use it to seed the development of this software business and, and, and really turn it into a software business. So I had to get out of that arrangement first. So, you know, we'd embedded some software into the services that we were offering and so I'd kind of, I'd, I'd been able to test everything with stabilizers on to an extent. Yeah, nice. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was at a point in mid-2016, that's where we realized um, that companies wanted this because um, we, were, we were starting to transition all of our customer work onto just running this software for, for, for businesses. And um, we, 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 at that point, decided that we were going to... Um, Effectively, on top of a marketing automation engine, we were going to build on top of a of a um, an open source engine, and that would be our MVP. And so by by October twenty sixteen, we'd done that, and um, that was the point where, um, yeah, we we left, and uh, I I merged that company with uh, my co founder Scott's business, um, and uh, that was the point where I probably stepped towards. Four and a half days a week out of five were dedicated towards building the software nice. business. I like that a lot. So, um, so talk. So, that's interesting. So that was 2016. Yeah, we're 2020 now. Like that's four years. That's a lot of runway under your under your belt. Like, what did you like? <laughs> what's happening now? Like, is it was is this something that because it's a it's a big behavioral change for an industry where this is, they've been doing it the same way for a long time. Yeah. Has it been hard to gain traction with these businesses? It's not. It's not been hard to gain interest. We're we're really good at communic. We're really good at communicating the value of what we're doing and that it's it's something different. So we, I mean, we bootstrapped the business right through until when January twenty nineteen, and we took our first external wow. investment at that point. So we raised five hundred thousand from a firm in uh, a, a fund in um, in Berlin in January 2019 and then we did a lot of our customers were telling us look if I could invest a grand in your business or 10 grand in your business or whatever I'd really love to get involved you know people in our industry and I went well, we're not really doing that and then 
somebody, a really, really big sales prospect opportunity said it. And I went, I think we've got to do a crowdfunding here, haven't we? Because so many people want involved. And so we did it. So in July 2019, we did a crowdfunding on on, on Crowdcube and we raised another half a million pounds. Um, so How was that? What was that experience like? What was your key learning from crowdfunding? Well, I, I actually wrote a blog about it with 10 learnings. But I mean, the, the, the big one is, this is a massive, massive sales and marketing opportunity. We, we brought on board 550 investors in our company as part of that. And um, over 300 of them are in recruitment and HR. So, you know, you got to, you got to. That's the win, right? It, that's, that's a big win. You got to, you, so you got to work, you got to work them with, you know, investor communications every month and share everything with them that they can all share with their networks and whatever. So you're building network effect um, by doing that. And that was a, that was a good thing to do. Um, and then, and then we did it. We did another, I mean, I've got to be honest though. We, 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 we could be dead by now had we not done the third invest. We did another small investment round at 630 grand. I think it was in, in March with a, a firm called Blackfinch Ventures. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, March, nobody was closing investments in March, <clears throat> March, 2020. No, they and not, and certainly not in recruitment. Certainly not yeah. recruitment, no. Yeah. I mean, we were, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd have had to make a lot of big changes to the business um, had we not done that investment round at that particular point. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've look, 20, 2020 has, <clears throat> our business plan's gone back by six months because of 2020, because of the pandemic, obviously. Um, recruitment's not been the, the, the best industry to be in during 2020. And, no, it uh, hasn't. No. Um, however, one thing that has become, we have, we've learned a lot. So we've learned a lot about what's the difference between the companies that are hiring today and that's business as usual versus the companies where they're not hiring, their teams have you know, um, shrunk and they're not likely to be hiring in the next 12 months either. And so we, we realized that our customers have all got one thing in common. They're hiring in-demand talent. And in-demand talent is data scientists, software engineers, scientists, engineers, people in gaming. You know, it's, it's, it's solutions architects, it's program managers, it's nurses, it's optometrists. They've all got slightly left-brained kind of jobs. And um, there's more, well, a lot of sales jobs, actually. If you think about enterprise sales, I mean, there's a lot of people that work in, as I've got a job title of sales, there's not very many that have got enterprise SaaS sales. These the people are the people are in demand, and that's what our customers are using candidate ID for. It's for nurturing relationships with the people that they want to they want a constant drip feed of those types of people coming through, and they know that nurturing them is the right thing to do because pandemic or not, there's no data scientists walking around London with a sandwich board saying, "Come and hire me. I'm available today." These people are they're you know they're they're super secure in their jobs. They don't care. They don't care about your employer brand. They're not interested in your job descriptions. And you've got to nurture them and you've got to build a relationship with them over time. And that's why marketing automation is, is vital when you're trying to hire those types of people. This is super interesting. I'm, um, we're swiftly running out of time because I'm too interested in the subject and we're digging into it too much. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions around the, the sort of startup realm. Now, I was particularly keen to speak to you because I am, you know, me personally, as part of my journey, I'm in a recruitment drive. I'm hiring, you know, a 10 more people from my squad. And um, 
I know a lot of people with startups, one of the things you focus on a lot is trying to attract talent. Yeah. You know, it's a big thing. And ultimately, you know, you build the best team, you end up building the best products. That's the reality. Um, and the best company. So for you, having someone who is day-to-day deep into this subject, what advice would you give to startups and people who are at pre-seed, seed, and series A? What should they be doing to attract the right talent to get the best people out there? Um, so they, they shouldn't be addicted to sources of new candidates and they should be addicted to building communities and nurturing those communities. That's the sustain, That's the thing that's going to make recruitment sustainable for you as a startup or scale-up company is having, your, is, is having your own database being the primary source for every hire you make. Now, if you're hiring, if once a year you hire... <clears throat> an underwater basket weaver, then you know you don't build a pipeline for that. You don't create a community for that. But if you're constantly hiring salespeople, you're constantly hiring software engineers or uh, you know in-demand talent, then you got to build you got to build pipelines and you got to nurture those pipelines. Um, you you got to use certain types of technology to uh, generate the optimum optimum experiences for the candidates and for you to generate the right kind of data which tells you which candidates are higher ready when the vacancy goes live. But if you're addicted to LinkedIn or you're addicted to Indeed or other job boards or you're addicted to recruitment companies, somebody else owns the talent pool that you're trying to fish in. You want to own your, you want to own your own talent pool and have that to be being the primary source of truth and source of information um, for every vacancy that comes up. Was that too vague? No, 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 no. It's good. No, I think mm-hmm. it's it's really good advice. It's something that people don't consider. Yeah, people always think they're trying to obsess over things like workable and trying to get themselves out of this new people and angel co and so forth. Um, okay, last question from me. Uh, the final two questions, always the same. What was the what was the biggest mistake you made or biggest learning that you've had through this journey that you hope other people don't make the mistake with? Oh wow! I mean. Um... Other than being a Scotch rugby, yeah. Other, I mean, there's many, 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 many uh, handicaps I've got like that. However, the <laughs> the, I mean, I I I think the, I just, I've got to be really honest. Actually, I'm going to be really honest. This is going to sound a bit arrogant. The mis- all of the mistakes I made, I have made, which are many, I wouldn't really have known, n- not to make them. So yeah, sure. So the the we've provided we've provided far too much support to organizations to help them by basically hand, holding their hand to use our technology rather than focusing our time on building better user manuals and building better um, you know onboarding uh, automated onboarding you know experiences automated help um, automated like. Uh, customer success type, you know, portals and things like that. And I, I just, I've never built a SaaS business before. So I just would never have known that. And I've come, I've got a service background. So it took a long time for us to realize that automating that type of stuff is is going to be a much more sustainable way of running a business. Um, loads of, loads of mistakes around, around investment. So going and talking to people, spending a lot of time talking to people who wouldn't, who with hindsight, they were just, they were just nosy or they were just, you know, interested to learn from me rather than genuinely 
likely to invest in a company like ours. And I know almost immediately now, by looking at somebody's profile, if they are a pro- if they are a potential investor for us, or if they're not. The other one is customers. I mean, it's just it's taken it's taken several years for us to really understand what's our ideal customer profile, and that's really by having customers come on board and some of them churn, and me realizing why they churned and that yeah. they were never actually the best type of customer. So you know, loads of mis- loads of mistakes, but I I I don't think they're I think they're all they're all just from learning and and. You know, unless you've built a SaaS business before, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And what would be your one poster quote that you would say to any person who's about to start a company right now? I'll give you mine to help you in there. Mine's always the same. Yeah. Activity breeds more activity. Yeah. <laughs> activity breeds more activity is a great one. I mean, I've got, I, I work with a co-founder who's got a million mottos that I really love. The hungry dog hunts best and stuff like that. That's great. I love it. Oh, the one thing I will say is, if you if you have not got any experience, or if you have got not got any proof in any other parts of your life that you've got serious patience and major tenacity, don't even start because you will definitely fail and you'll keep failing. If you can show that you've got patience and tenacity from other things that you've done in your life, then building a company is something that you may well be able to achieve. I love that. Adam, this has been great. I've learned a lot. I think what you're doing is amazing. I think it needs to happen and I'm delighted that you do and I wish you every success. Thanks so much. And it's been really great to uh, take part in this. It's been a lot of fun.